Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and each week on the Yellow Ball Network, here at noon, I'll be coming to you, and pretty much we've been on track now as far as keeping up with our programs. The schedule is not quite so crazy. We've got recruiting going on, and of course, oh gosh, about 90% of your time, your off time, you're trying to think about how to get people's forehands and backhands better, but um, I just absolutely love having the show, doing the show, and thanks, J.P. Weber, and listen to Randy Blumendahl every Sunday on, um, you know, First Coach's Corner program, and then, of course, John Denise um, comes to you with his mentoring program on Thursdays at 5.30, and, but anyhow, listen, thanks for listening, and we have a, gosh, a lot of information here, and a lot of stuff I'd love to talk about today. And I do have a coach or two calling in, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But I want to get through sort of the intro here because this is a topic that sort of has been on my mind a lot. And if you, uh, as you listen to our programs, you know that I talk about doing things the meat and potatoes way, doing things fundamentals, stick with your fundamentals, do those things that are lasting and don't take shortcuts and all of that, and I'm upset most of the time. Oh, gosh, when I go out there and uh, watch tennis, I get very, very upset when I see the abbreviated scorings and all that stuff where we're dumbing the game down. So yesterday we had a day off because of uh, from school because of the election. And so I got to take my guys out to a place out here close to Charleston, South Carolina. Beautiful resort. Um, and uh, we get we, to practice on clay. Well, we didn't practice. We played three out of five set matches, playing the fifth set out completely, if we got that far. 
and um, on clay. Of course, traditional scoring. Nobody out there would doubt that, would you? So, oh, my golly, it was fantastic. And we had those rare moments where the guys competed so, so hard. We had some great matches. One went three hours and 40 minutes. And and the guys did nothing at the end except hug each other because of the respect they felt for each other and what they were going through. Well, we were very fortunate. We got a very learned and wise uh, tennis um ex-player, great teacher, just a great name in the sport of tennis to speak to our team. And I um, wanted to tell you that one of the things that he said when he was talking to the team was it aggravates him now that um, there's so much out there that doesn't have a lot of substance. He said uh, he learned, I can use the teachers, but he learned from the great Maureen Connolly back in his early days he grew up in california and he uh, learned from just in, in the lessons he learned and around the tour and playing and how much uh people honored the game and what a fantastic fantastic life experience it has been to be involved in tennis and he had all of the guys ears and the guys uh were locked in and he talked to him about the value the value not uh the cheap stuff, but the value of tennis that they would have their whole lives. It's fantastic. And uh, But one of the things he said is he said, we used to wait and wait for a World Tennis Magazine to come. Or if the teachers would say things, you would hang on to one phrase, and then you would try to bleed it into your game, and you would think about it for a long, long uh, time. And... Um, so that's been on my mind since yesterday, and as I was getting the program ready, uh, I, I really wanted to bring this up about, um, you know, diamonds and rhinestones again. Um, you know, my mom, <laughs> we would walk out the door, six kids going to school down the street, and uh, she would holler at us, don't take any wood nickels, son. Don't take any wooden nickels, daughter. Don't take any wood nickels. Always soap is cheap. Books are free. Never be dirty or dumb was another one. But don't take any wooden nickels. We used to say, what the heck is a wooden nickel? But if you join that with the other wonderful, wonderful phrase and loaded language that I've used and said before, that the world promises us, buckets of rhinestones, but God gives us the chance to make one diamond with our lives. Wow. Then you start to think about the value of what a wood nickel is. So a program today about don't taking any wooden nickels. Yeah. What does that mean? Why would we, we not want to take things if they're a little bit easier is are all easy things wood nickels not necessarily are all hard things that you do diamonds no not necessarily but able being able to discern and be able being able to be see below the surface is so so very critical i think in raising your children and in teaching and coaching you've got to see the underlying message there not just the surface not just to um 
sort of weed out the BS that goes along. And it's so easily marketed uh, right now in our, our world. But to, but to also see the underlying surface, what's going on with the youngster and why they are the way they are. And most of them almost always are in a position where things can turn around in their lives. That's why tennis and sports are so fantastic. But the, the problem being that, you know, the, there were two things. First of all, they don't allow us to coach the hearts of athletes the way we used to. Um, it, people are so overly protected, but at the same time, we've got so many counterfeits out there that we're very guarded, as parents should be and as coaches should be, with what's being fed to our athletes because they truths and false tr true things false things fake bs all of, all of the things that are diamonds and rhinestones come at us the information age like uh, out of a fire i've often said it's trying it's like trying to drink out of a fire hose to try to to um, siphon through or weed through what is true and what is not true and uh yeah my 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 <laughs> Mama used to say, pray for discernment, son. If you're going to be a teacher, be pray for discernment, son. And um, golly, the discernment to be able to look below the surface. And, you know, no, nobody gets it right all the time, but you ought, to be, you ought to have a sixth sense as a teacher or a leader or anybody at being able to sort of see the difference between a rhinestone or diamond what is true is what is not true, fake versus real. And uh, just, or else we're really just going to be led along. Uh, I hate to say sheep do the slaughter, but we're going we're gonna to be led along down a road or up a mountain that we sure don't understand why we went there in the first place one day. So I, I want to talk today about that. And, and uh, I want to... <laughs> I asked my uh, assistant coach, I said, listen, I need to put something that's sort of not X-rated, but maybe PG-13 rated. You know, I need to be able to say it. And so, I don't know, you youngsters, cover your ears. It's not that uh, really bad. And parents hate to get graphic here, but, you know, my sister told me this years and years ago. Now, she's passed away, but She's pretty uh, wise as well. But back in the 80s, I remember I was very, very fortunate to be to work under uh, a guy named Harry Hopman when I first started coaching. And I would have never been in tennis had I not worked for Harry Hopman because he said, do it the tough way so you, it matters. Do it the hard way so that it, it um, digs into a person's heart. He really understood the difference between value and price and and those things, and, and uh, he had a knack for getting the very, very best out of people. And he reminded me all my basketball coaches growing up. So had I not worked for him, I would have never been in Tennessee's 47 years teaching. There's not even close to a chance that I would have. I love playing college tennis. I played college basketball for one year. I was going to coach basketball i wanted to be a high school basketball coach but uh harry hopman influenced me so i was able to to get into tennis but 
it seemed like in the 80s uh, they started marketing and promoting a lot of stuff that just was fast, quick fix stuff. And for the first time, I, I saw a great deviation away from the hardcore hard work program to some fast wheeler dealer stuff. And uh, here it comes, PG-13. I'm, it's not quite R-rated. My sister, I, I was complaining to her. I said, you work, 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 work. And then it doesn't seem to matter. It, 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 uh, and, you know, you do your work and you try to do what is right. doesn't seem to matter. Nobody cares. Looks like the guys that are taking the shortcuts get ahead. The people taking the quick fixes get ahead. The people who pedal wooden nickels get ahead. My sister, God bless her, and she she looks at me and she says, Chuck, Chuck, listen, always remember that cream rises, so keep doing the work. Ultimately, it will pay off. But she said, but look, crap also floats first. It also, it floats first, and it usually gets the flush. So... Oh, my gosh. There, I'm living on the edge here. But bottom line, as an analogy, that kept me locked into doing things, I hate to say it a hard way, but uh, no shortcut way for most of uh, my coaching career and stuff. I remember her voice saying that. Cream rises first, but the other stuff floats first. Cream rises ultimately but the other stuff floats first. Used to get to flush, but nowadays doesn't seem to. Here's what I wanted to talk about. What's aggravating to me, what's aggravating to the great teacher that was uh, talking to my players yesterday, the great ex-professional player, was that the Internet props stuff up so well in a such a fake way or such a Conway that people don't know the diamonds from the rhinestones. They don't know whether it's a wooden nickel or something great jewel of wisdom. It's everywhere. Anybody can put stuff on the internet. Now it's great that we can, but my golly, there's a lot of stuff out there that you just cringe when you look at. And everybody's looking for the faster, easier way, aren't they? Aren't we? Don't all of we? All of us. Look for the faster and easier way. Yeah, we would take that. That's human nature. But diamonds are rhinestone. Diamonds take time and pressure. Rhinestones, look, rhinestones have become cubic zirconiums now. Fake stuff is out there so much. I can only explain this to you. Uh, my son, you know, I look, I've been in coaching all these years in baseball, but I've often, excuse me, in tennis, my son's in baseball. So we're shopping around trying to figure out what to do, just like parents listening to this program have done. So what do you do? You hear what's popular and you might go and try to work with someone who's popular. And then in a little bit of time, you go, whoa, whoa, something not right. There's something not clicking there. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ah, wait a minute. Clichés and facts here. Not much depth. A few opinions, but 
feelings and needs and the depth, eh, something missing. So like anybody else, there's been some jumping around a little bit, and you don't want to do that too much because you never want your youngster to think, hey, listen, we change playmates, play boxes, and everything will change for in you. No, no, wherever you go, you take yourself with you. All we're looking for is depth. We're looking for a fountain of knowledge, fountain of wisdom. We're looking for something of depth that will touch our children, touch my son, my daughters, and that they will be able to hang on to for a long, long time. My friend, Coach Randy Bloomdahl, and I sure sure hope he calls in today, he told me about six months ago, he said, you got to find a horse whisper type guy. you got to find a Mr. Miyagi out there. You know, guys, wax on, wax off. Everybody remember that movie? The Karate Kid, old Mr. Miyagi. Wax on, wax off. Sure enough, this summer we were able to find, you know, uh, we were just, it's it's a blessing. It, it's a great honor. It's great. We found a older guy, a coach, and he's, been around the block a few times and he the the heart is taught the right things are taught the depth of the game is taught and and i my son every two weeks gets to go see mr miyagi i call him the horse whisper guy every two weeks he gets to see him and what happens is it fills my son's cup up my pitcher up <laughs> And he goes home and he works on the stuff, works on the stuff, works on the stuff. It's fantastic. How do you do that? How do you figure it out? How do you figure out where the diamonds are in the rhinestone? Gosh, I even have a sign in my office. I'm I'm not going to say it. No, basically it's no frauds, no phonies. But no, I'm not going to say that one. But I've got a sign in my office that reminds me every day to not fall for the flash. Don't fall for the flash or the cash. You know, the great Bill Tim, who's a great coach for years, years ago, and it's interesting when you're talking to very wise people and great people, you, you hold on to things that they say. But I remember him saying to me, we're at the National Indoors. He'd probably love this. National Indoors, he was coaching at Vanderbilt. This has been years ago. We were there coaching, sitting on some bleachers in the middle of the tennis center complex, watching matches, and we were talking about this kind of thing, and he said, look, everybody knows the price for everything but the value of very little. So I would love for Bill Tim to know that he said one one line, and I've, I've thought about it and remembered that for a lot of years, and that's reinforced, of course, by people who, you know, the the Mr. Miyagi, my my son's Mr. Miyagi is, it's it's fantastic. He'll send just phrases. Gosh, I got one on my door here. Let me read it here real quick. Yep. Enthusiasm is common. Endurance is rare. Enthusiasm is common. Endurance is rare. I put that on my door. But my son's baseball coach, my son who's 13, his baseball coach sent me that. There's diamonds out there, but you have to be looking for them. So I want to talk here a little bit about diamonds versus rhinestones. 
And I'm asking you, really shouting out out there because I'm so, I love tennis so very, very much. Even if I'd been the best basketball player in the state of Indiana growing up, I would never have gotten to travel the whole world like I have with tennis. Maybe, but for the most part with tennis, I've been able to travel the world. I've met so many fantastic people. Of course, my children, none of my six children would be here without this fantastic sport because I got to go to college because of it. Just the way that is, and, and I owe it so, so very much. So, of course, I don't want it cheapened. I don't want to cheapen in any way with abbreviated scoring. I don't like to see the, the con men tennis pros out there that try to sell you the fast flash and there's no depth. You uh, <laughs> So, oh, my, the Karate Kid, a corny movie from the 80s. But my uh, older sons and my nephew, uh, I can remember my nephew, and they would laugh. And they <laughs> they would say that there was Mr. Miyagi, then there was the fake coach from um, the guy that had all the kids and he was training them the right, wrong way. <laughs> Whenever we would do anything together and we'd be out playing tennis, they'd come up and say, say, Papa or Co, he'd go, Coach, pain is not allowed in our dojo or whatever. It's, uh, you know, it is, our failure is not an option in our dojo. And uh, they would say, yes, sensei, yes, sensei. Oh, my. But the contrast there was beautiful. But uh, I want to talk about a little bit about tennis here and get into some things. But where do we start? Where do we start? Gosh, participation trophies. The participation trophy mentality is one of the ways that uh, it, it is just crippling. And I've expressed many reasons why uh, many times, you know, the good, 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 bad, bad, good, or bad, bad. It is a bad good to get a participation trophy. You get something you haven't worked for, and you're trying to build self-esteem. In the end, it doesn't mean anything. In the end, the kids know it doesn't mean anything. You give them a rhinestone and try to tell them it's a diamond and the kids, so, yeah, right. Very early on, my wife was awesome. She did not allow our children to take participation trophies. My son came to the baseball camp here at the Citadel when he was about eight. And I didn't. I was watching on the, on the last day they had sort of the end of it, and they were passing out certificates. They had all the kids sitting on the gym floor. They were passing out certificates of like 40 kids. They came around to give one to my son. He's eight. And he crosses his arms and said, no, no, no. He says, I, I'm not allowed to take participation trophies. And I, you know, it's fantastic, fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, they get it. But my wife was big. Maybe it was just my son was just being compliant. Maybe my daughters were just being compliant when they didn't take the participation trophies. It's interesting that the the, the value the value that when it's dumbed down it's it's just not a good thing and when you here's a saying some loaded language when you champion the weak you weaken the real champions if you're running something if you're a coach or whatever whenever you champion the weak you weaken the real champions 
I know that you want to give out some awards at your camps. I know that you want to give out something to team members. Try to make it to where it's special. Try to make it to where they have to earn something. Try to make it where they set a record or something. We uh, put up a plaque. We took down all the fake plaques that were sort of, hey, my my player is a nice guy and an academic uh, honor roll guy. You know, these fake things that you have when you walk into an arena or walk into, you know, it, it kills me how you walk into some high school gyms. And my golly, if, if everything up there was, a value that my golly nobody ever been able to beat them for 30 years but you know they got the best kid award and and third place in one double a green league uh third season i mean it it, it's just mind-boggling how we try to champion people all the time and then it doesn't mean anything doesn't mean anything. When you champion the weak, you weaken the champions. The kids who are really achieving stuff, it brings the cream back into the group. We're allowing the to float longer because of the Internet. And what we do, the kids that are the cream that are running to the front of the pack, with our mentality of just being nice to everybody, we bring them back into the pack. Please don't work harder than anybody. Please don't win too much. Please don't. And Coach Blumendahl was on here a few weeks back, and he said he doesn't know when it was exactly back in the 80s or 90s that we started We started try, thinking that it was better to sort of make everyone right in the middle, right in the middle. In other words, um, I'll give you a good example right now. Of course, the draft system, I'm not a – look, the draft system is right, but the worst teams get the best players. They try to do that, and that sort of makes the teams more equal. But did you also know that in the NFL that the toughest teams, the best teams have the toughest schedules? What? And the weakest teams have the weakest schedules when they make the schedules. Now, they have to play their inter interconference things. By the way, what do they have? They have eight of them now, just four in a conference or something, just four in a conference or six or eight of them. So you've got to be the best of four. And by the way, if you were crummy last year, you get the easiest schedule and you got to draft the best players. So there's a concerted effort to make sure, like Coach Blumadol said, to never let the cream rise and run to the front of the pack. Go to the front of the pack. They don't want dynasties. They don't want some team to dominate for year after year after year. I think this is true, too, why they made the class systems in all the high schools. My daughter ran high school cross country here, and she's in what they call 5A. Well, they've got 1A through 6A. Those poor kids running at 1A know that it's not like they think, hey, I'm a state champion. Well, how many state champions are there? Six individuals, six teams, six individuals. Indiana basketball used to be fantastic. Kentucky high school basketball. Every team, 600 plus, used to be in the same tournament. The same tournament. Year and and what would happen? You would have a team. Oh, I'll give you an example. Nineteen sixty, I think it was sixty-seven. 
Cloverdale, Southern Indiana, small school of like 24 boys, just like Hoosiers, made the final four of the Indiana State High School basketball. That team is still revered. That team is still remembered. One of the key pl- players on that team passed away this summer, and um, one of my players from Clemson, Kent Kinnear, gave me a call, and he said, did you know so-and-so passed away? And I said, yeah, Cloverdale, Cloverdale. Now, they only made the semifinals of the state tournament, but it was such a big deal. So what happens now you champion everyone, and nobody's a champion. You champion the weak, and you weaken the real champions. And it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Everybody gets to run in the state meet. I told my daughter, and I didn't uh, take away from what she did, but instead of having the very best teams, the very, very best teams there, and having 170 they had only – they had 20 teams there, and not always the best teams. They should have only allowed – how do you allow 20 teams in the finals of the state tournament? How do you allow – it's it's mind-boggling. The ITA, one of my pet peeves there always was they ranked 75 teams. 75 teams are ranked in college tennis by the ITA. Well, they have reasons why they're doing it. Those lesser teams that get ranked low maybe want to pay their their dues or $500 they have to pay to just get a scorebook and to be represented in that polling. But who the heck wants to be ranked 68 in the country? Who the heck wants to be, wait a minute, if you're at a major school and you're ranked 47th in the country and it's broadcasted, coaches get fired over that better to have 25 teams ranked where there's quality like football like basketball and then guess what the other teams that get honorable mention everybody thinks hey they're 26 they're ready to be in the top 25 there are just so many things we do like this where we try to push wood nickels out there this is really an accomplishment wow you're ranked 68 Oh, wow, and, and I'm not begrudging a youngster if they're really like this, but I've had kids say, Coach, last year I was 305 in the country. I moved all the way up to two, 210. Well, that's a 100, 100 places jump, but sorry, that's still not quite the standard. You've got to understand, and, and again, it used to be more valuable to be ranked number five in your state because that was a big deal. Instead of chasing the points and being ranked 158 and where everybody else is, you're just one of everybody else. But the wooden nickels are out there. Golly, this, oh, sorry, the wooden nickel pickleball, wooden nickel pickle is pickleball. Oh, my gosh. For all of you senior citizens, God bless you, and uh, keep playing that pickleball. Just keep your exercise going. But tennis is tennis is the concert piano and pickleball's electronic keyboard. Anything we do that is just arena football type stuff 
ends up uh, pickleball be like a hula hoop. It it'll, it won't be out there long. Believe me, it will not. But the marketeers are in charge of this. College tennis. College tennis. We had the great Roy Barth talking to our team about his uh, team at UCLA. And his message was when he was in college, you played college tennis as a stepping stone into the pros. It was the necessary stepping stone. You played college, and then you got good enough. If you were at the top of college, you were good enough to play professional, and you went out there on the tour and played. College tennis now, I've given you these statistics before, but go out and look, folks. In the top 100 right now, we only have two players, two American-born players that played college that are now in the top 100. That's John Isner and Stevie Johnson. I believe it's Nicole Gibbs on the women's side. And the the girl Falcone went to Georgia Tech. uh, She had been in and out of the top 100 but it's been a long, long time before any of the women really did. So college, window dressing in college, too, it's disgusting. They have bought into the marketing things with trying to promote an abbreviated scoring arena-style football that really weakens the real champions. <clears throat> and and I want to make this point again. Uh, Coach Blumadal brought it up a couple weeks ago that when you have abbreviated scoring and people start winning championships with no ad scoring or tiebreakers for the third set, it devalues the real champions that we have had for many, many years. Many, many years we've had the great, the Rod Lavers, the Roy Emersons, the Don Bunches, the Lou Holds, the Arthur Ashes, the Stan Smiths, the Roy Barts, the all of the great players that have been out there we devalue their achievements because their achievements were really, really hard. Like Cloverdale, to be a small team and back in 1967, was it 66, 66, 67? But for them to make it all the way to the final four out of 600 teams was a big, big deal. We remember it for 55 years, 60 years, 50, nope, 53. Three, 52 years we remember that achievement we remember the Hoosiers we remember those things of great value so the diamonds are the rhinestones but you've got to you've got to see the difference in the two many of the academies I'd like to talk briefly about the academies to you parents out there the academy movement started back in the 1980s, early 1980s. Well, guess what? They figured out that they got some of the kids from the north who lived in cold areas to come down to Florida and to train in Florida. You had a business going. And so a couple people figured this out. They brought down kids from up in uh, the, up, the, the cold states, and they would go to Florida give them a nice deal, they would train all year away from their parents most of the time, doesn't matter what the fallout was there, doesn't matter that they were the great role models for their own communities, whether it was Indianapolis, Indiana, or Buffalo, New York, or Rochester, New York, or Seattle, Washington, when it was cold, or it was not, it was 
It didn't matter. They went to Florida, the ripest fruit, the best fruit, the role models for all of the country, for their area. All of these kids that grew up in, whether it was McKinley's in St. Louis, uh, the DeVoe in Indianapolis, or whether the, the um, in, in um, Louisville, Kentucky, it was the three brothers in Kentucky uh, that were so, so good. In Florida, of course, you had a hotbed of players growing up at Holiday Park. That was where you would go to train there. I think it was Holiday Park there and then in Miami where the um, great Bobby Curtis used to help kids. But all these communities would send their very best player to nationals and then they would fight it out and then the kids would go back home and teach the other kids and mentor the other kids to what they had learned at the nationals. And therefore, we had a strong, strong country in tennis. The academy movement moved all the kids down to Florida. It uprooted the kids. It took them out of their homes. And then guess what? Most of the time, the academies figured out that, wait a minute, there's not a tremendous amount of money in just a few of these kids. It takes a lot of money to travel, a lot of money to train them. The better kids get, the less they want to pay. So they figured out, hey, we've got to market off of this. So they basically got people to buy into, hey, send your youngster to an academy and we will make them into champions. So the parents pay these unbelievable amount of money for their kids to go there and to get to get uh, basically an environment, a championship environment. Well, the problem is you don't make money off of a championship environment because a real championship environment is not a comfortable one. Comfort bears no fruit. Every great coach knows that. It's not a comfortable environment to be in a, in a championship environment where you push the kids and you try to bring the very best out of them and you try to make them do things they don't want to do in order to have things that they want to have. It's not profitable. So what every academy has learned that will play to the center. So most academy kids, I, as far as recruiting academy kids, I usually, I usually say there's four kinds of coaching. you got resort coaching, country club coaching, academy coaching, and then you got real coaching. Well, academy coaching is everybody goes 55 to 65 miles an hour. They've got a governor on their engine, and you bend them a little bit, don't even get close to bending them a lot, and never break them. Never break them down or build them up. Never, 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 never. You're going to lose that kid. It'll go to a different academy. So it's tragic that the academies have become wood and nickels as well. Facebook promotes wood and nickels. Fakebook, everybody's a hero on Fakebook. College tennis is a wood and nickel. Uh, the USTA marketeers promote wood and nickelism. USTA marketeers, they're interested in numbers, 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 and getting more and more people signing up and paying their dues. So what do they do? They go to the center. They dumb it down. That's why there's no champions coming out. Participation trophies, of course. But the great damage, once again, is a fallout in the infrastructure. And when you champion the weak, you weaken the champions, and it becomes a rot. It becomes a counterfeit. It becomes something that is passed down to next generations of players. The mentoring is, is not done correctly to pursue 
excellence. I think that the worst one of the worst worst wood nickels out there. <laughs> Have you ever been on a college campus lately? And you name you see all the buildings and you 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 it used to be the great statesmen or great great uh leaders or something they would put their names on buildings. Nowadays, if you write a big check, you can cash in on buy your credit the credibility for some recognition, you know, instead of the sweating, the shedding of the blood, sweat, and tears for something that's lasting and important. Whenever you sell out things, when you sell things, it's it's really shameful. Yeah, I know everybody wants fancy facilities. Everybody wants something that is nice to play in, to work in. Coach Randy told me something the other day. Coach Randy Blumenthal said, he said, would you, if you were a college student, go into the Bobby Knight arena and think about ever drinking beer or goofing up and doing something stupid in a facility that was the Vince Lombardi arena or something uh like 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 this the great great coach pop warner or whatever arena the 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 newt rockney would anybody at notre dame think about going into the room that was heralded by newt rockney that locker room that we show in rudy and drink beer party or do something they're supposed to do coach randy said to me he goes do you know think about it when people buy their credibility, they get recognition because they write a check for a million bucks or whatever it is, and thanks for doing that, but do you think anybody's going to think twice about going in and drinking beer or partying or something in a in in a something that's named after some rich donor? Do you think anybody's going to respect that more? It's like you never bring shame on the family name. That's that's a huge, huge. You never bring. You know what sportsmanship is. You never bring shame on the game or your family name. It's real simple. That's what sportsmanship is. It's real simple about honoring tennis. We say honor tennis, and it will honor you. Never bring shame on the game, and never bring shame on those things on your family, on your parents. Would you bring the wrong kind of people into your parents' living room? Would you bring the wrong kind of people into your home? Would you bring people into something, a hotel room, a little bit easier and party in a hotel? Well, sure. Well, what if some rich person bought it and they put their name on it? Would you really honor it the way it's supposed to be honored? No. No way in the world you would. So where are we at with all this, folks? I think you get the message of the difference between diamonds and rhinestone where where are we going to go with this you know I, I it's it's amazing even i i i hunt for excellence so much i i went to uh Dagon movie i saw stars born last week the music was so good but why did they have to sleaze it up why did they sleaze it up they could have made it so classy it would have been a knockout it would have been a classic for years and years and years, but they made it sl- sleazy. They didn't need to. 
They didn't need to. And they, they could have done so much, but the singing was great. And I told, um, I asked my son, I said, son, do you know the, the music out there, you know, there's some people out there that can really sing and some, you know, that, but they're all pretty generic. He said, dad, he says, now he called me Papa. Papa, he's learned how to play the guitar. Papa, do you know they can do voice shop? It's sort of like Photoshop. People have crummy voices. They can get on a computer and make even you sound good or something. I go, really? What happened to the shame of Millie Vanilli? Millie Vanilli, back in those days, they lip-synced a song and they got scorned. Even you're telling me they can Photoshop voice shop? So that's where we're at. That's where we're at with this. I wanted to give a little bit of an antidote. So why do we worry about this? Why do we seek excellence? I'm looking for excellence everywhere I can find it. I went to my daughter's ballet this last week. Why does she do ballet? She only does two performances a year. She works four days a week to do two performances. Are you kidding me? Could you imagine working four days a week at tennis and only getting to play two matches a year? Well, you know, actually that sounds a little bit like college tennis. You work all year and you get to play 25 matches a year. What a joke. What a joke that is. How do you get better in college when you play 25 matches a year? It's going to become an after-school activity very much the way I've said high school tennis is becoming. So I go to ballet and I, I see it, but excellence is pursued. My daughter has to work four days a week to try to make a small diamond twice a year. And her part is only three or four minutes. Wow. Now, I sit up there and I'm choking up with pride and, and with admiration and just blown away because they're pursuing excellence. We don't do this in tennis. We're not pursuing excellence. We're pursuing the wrong thing. We're taking wooden nickels. Many years ago, I had a boy on my team. I don't think he'd mind uh, Matt Fruman. My golly, what a fantastic person and a worker. But his father was a contract artist. And I never will forget this. This is one of those diamonds, like Bill Tim saying that everybody knows the price of everything to value very little. Well, we were visiting Matt and his parents out at um, out in California, and his dad, I saw this beautiful, beautiful painting that he had done. I go, whoa, it was a picture, it was the size of a, it was the size of a, a whole wall of a house, almost, a huge picture of this family, stunningly. It blew me away. I said, Mr. Fruman, how long have you been working on this? He said, oh, I, you know, about a month or two. I go, really? He said, yeah. He says, I, I said, well, how many of these do you do? He said, well, maybe I get a couple a year, contract artist. I, and then, of course, the logical question of, well, isn't that hard to make any money? He said, sure. I said, well, why don't you do commercial? He said, I'm not going to do commercial art. I'm not a commercial artist. I'm an artist. I see, He said, look, and I never will forget this, what he said. This was 1980, gosh, 83, 84 in there, but he goes, you know, the tragedy is not that I'm, I don't sell or paint more than one or two a year. The tragedy is that most people would look at this painting of mine 
and not be able to tell the difference between this and a Walmart or a Kmart lithograph, something that's reproduced. And he said someday they're going to be able to produce things in art and other things that look like originals, and then nobody will know the difference. He said the real tragedy is nobody will care that they don't know the difference. They'll take the rhinestone over the diamond, in other words. I never forgot that, and it was part, it fed in, of course, to the, what my mother had said years ago about don't take any wood nickels or the difference between diamonds and rhinestone. Well, here, I, I wanted to talk, though, what do we do to pursue? I, I want a solution. First of all, please understand that when you go after excellence, I think the book, uh, it starts with why Simon Sinek is such a great book. Go out and get it. I always talk about the talent code, but start with why is, is a great book. But it, it says that out of all the people out there, only 2.5% 2, 2 are early innovators, 13.5% are early adapters, so they catch on. So the, and innovators are very few out there, and only 13.5% people catch on quickly. Then he said there's the early majority that's about 30, 34% that will will catch on. And then you've got the sort of the group that won't catch on no matter what. You got, he didn't call them the haters, but I usually call them the haters and the people who are throwing stones. They'll never catch on, whether it's in politics. People won't change their politics based on your, by people have to change from the inside out. We can influence people by being kind, by sending messages to them in different things. But it, things have to hit you like working for Harry Hopman hit me right in the head or having the great basketball coaches I had, like Mr. Bill Green or John McLeod when I was in high school, that hit me right square in the head or my mom's state statements, don't take any wooden nickels 500 times as we're walking out the door every day. Diamonds and rhinestones. But those things have to hit you in the head. But the late majority are the laggards, as he calls them, Simon Sinek. They're not going to catch on anyway. So what do we need to do? Here's what I've got about five things I need to hit on in the short period I have left here. Number one, seek out the tough teachers, coaches. Give them permission to pursue excellence with our children. Wow. Also, call a call out a call it for what it is. If it's a rhinestone, let people let you don't have to be mean, just don't fall for the rhinestones. Seek truth always and and seek seek the truth and try to look back for look into the thing deeper. Again, pursue pursue the depth of looking below the surface. Honor and separate the real champions. We must, as coaches, honor and separate the real champions. When we champion the weak, we weaken the real champions. Folks, if you're in a leadership position, do not give out participation trophies. Do not have an... You've got to cut players. You've got to make people earn what they get. Do not lower the bar. You'll never get it back up. Number four or five, build mentoring programs. 
and pass down the history and the heritage and great methods of teaching. This is a tough one. Take kids through the process A to Z so that they learn to feel the work, know the differences between hard work, and then in the end, when they have a success, teach them and let them feel what a real reward feels like from something that is greatly earned and a great accomplishment. These rhinestones, kids are smart now. They don't, they don't pay any attention to the fluff. It's just more stuff. But if the kid's an Eagle Scout on your street, let him know how great that is. You know, if, you know, but if a kid on your street has the bumper stick and says, my kid's a terrific kid at Pendleton Elementary or something, don't, don't, don't be throwing parties over that one. But we champion the weak. We weaken the real champion. And, 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 folks, you know, calling out the fakes, I look, there's fakes out there. There's fakes and everything. People sell wood nickels. We buy wood nickels. It's just our human nature. All of us want to be wowed. How about let's seek great things of truth and depth so that we are inspired. Being inspired will keep us it will keep us for keep us satisfied for years and years and we will not want anything else. Once you know what a diamond is and what it looks like, you we're never going to want anything else. So all of us again, it's it's uh it it's it's an ongoing thing and as the cubic zirconiums get more and more perfected, they'll be able to perfect a lot make things look great. Whether you're a crummy player, they'll may maybe maybe prop you up to make you look like a really good player. We're doing that with the scoring system. Pardon me. My assistant said everybody's got the message on how bad that is. But you prop up bad players with scoring system, with abbreviated scoring, with participation trophies, with anything that is not the real deal. You prop them up. In the end, uh, people know what it is. The cream will stay, and the other stuff is going to get the flush. And uh, even though we might perfect it to where, where it doesn't, but it, it, it really does. So if you're working with kids, there's only one way to go on this. Seek out excellence. You know, pray for the insight and the, the depth of where you can see below the surface. And then, remember, pass down these things, not just your children, but those youngsters and those people, people, people around you. So, folks, I've used up my whole time and uh, thanks very much again for for listening today. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. Made in America, born in a heartland, raised up a family, a King James and a Sam. He got the red, white, blue, fine high on a farm. Semper Fi tattooed on his same song. Spent a little more in the store for a tag in the back of this. Come.
who are in the process of winning or losing every day of your life and has very little to do with a win or a loss. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. We will see you next week on American Tennis.